Well, Jesus Christ, you are the King of Kings. Jesus Christ, you are the Lord of Lords. You have all authority, all power, no equal. You are sovereign. You work out of your providence always for your glory and for the good of those who love you. Why? Because you are a God of love. And although, yes, you are a God of power and mountains quake and tremble at your voice, you are a God of intimacy and tenderness and comfort and gentleness. You see us. You are attentive to us. You know right now the struggles that we face. You know what's going on in our hearts and in our lives even better than we do and the impacts that all that is having on us. And we say thank you. So help us to take great faith today to know that you are a God who sees and you are a God who knows. And may we in faith right now cast our burdens upon you because you care for us. And I pray that you would remove distractions right now and say what you want to say to your church it is you who have brought us here it is you who have given who has given us your word that can be trusted that is the lamp to our feet and light to our path and so give us ears to hear today may we cast those distractions upon you and say speak to me lord and may this just be like a water on a land that is thirsty as the deer panteth for the water so our souls may be panting for you today may it be so lord fill us fill us strengthen us help us holy spirit say what needs to be said to the church today to purify it to unify it to strengthen it to refresh it to equip it to encourage it for the glory of the name of Jesus Christ and to see his kingdom advance through it. And Jesus, it is in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, Hope Ottawa. Let's go ahead and open up our Bibles to Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2, verses 23 to 25. Well, this is the last Sunday, last official Sunday before we move into our summer ministry. I'm so excited for what God has led to have on tap for the summer. More on that in our family chat after the service today, but I'm super excited and I hope that you will be also an expectant for God's work that even though it's the summertime, God doesn't stop building his kingdom. Amen. And we are so fired up for the focus God has given us for the summer, so stay tuned. But here we are today, and I think um, it's fair to say, I think you would agree with me, that these last 15 months, almost 16 months now, they, um, they haven't looked like we thought they would. Would you agree? Maybe a bit of an understatement there. I mean, they have been uh, unexpected. They have been unpredictable. It's been uncomfortable and difficult at times, hasn't it? And that got me thinking as I was prepping this message. It just got me thinking. Um, if someone asked you to sum up the last 15 months in one sentence, what would you say? I mean, we, just, we are living through a time that no one in our generation has experienced before. And so if someone were to say, what were the last 
15 months of COVID-19 like for you, what would you say? How would you sum it up in one sentence? Where do we even start with that, huh? Well, as I was reflecting on what has happened this past year in this church, outside of this church, in this world, personally, corporately, nationally, locally, so many levels. As I have been reflecting on what has happened as Jesus has continued to build his church against all odds, and make no mistake, it is against all odds that Jesus Christ has continued to build this church and his big C church for his glory. And as I got thinking about um, what was ahead, what could or could not happen in the days to come, I was so comforted and strengthened in faith through this truth that we will see today. See, it is a truth that sums up where we've come from as a church. Where we've come from, and it is a truth that positions us in the posture of faith that we must have individually and corporately as we follow the Lord in the days ahead, even with all of the uncertainty around us on a human level. And if I could sum up this past year and say it in a sentence, it would be this truth. And I pray that you are comforted by it today. You'll see it on the screen. It's our big idea we're going to unpack from this text. That God sees and knows. Isn't that comforting? God sees and knows you must trust in him alone. There's how I would sum up COVID-19 season in a sentence. God sees and knows and you must trust in him alone. Let's unpack it. God sees and God knows what has happened God sees and God knows what is happening and what will happen. And we must trust in him alone. You see, God alone sees and knows what is the right thing to do in that each situation and what is the wrong thing to do. And we must trust in him alone. God sees and God knows what is true in each situation, regardless of what media says. God knows what is true. God knows what is false. And we must trust in him alone. God sees and God knows what is wise to do in each situation and what is foolish. And we must trust in him alone. God sees and God knows what must happen in each situation and what shouldn't happen. Regardless of what our minds are thinking or what this culture is saying, God alone sees the whole picture. He knows the whole picture and what must happen and what shouldn't. And we must trust in him alone. Not only does God see what should happen, God sees and God knows when it must happen 
and when it shouldn't happen. And he knows how it must happen and how it shouldn't happen. And we must trust in him alone. God sees and God knows every detail. Let's just break it down. Every detail of every part of everything we've gone through and will go through individually and as a church. He knows and he sees every thought we've had, every word that we have spoken, every sigh that we have given every feeling that we've gone through, every bit of hurt. He knows every tear and he sees every tear and he knows every tear and every fear that we've experienced or are experiencing right now as we reflect on this last year. See, God sees and God knows and he promises his children that he will meet us right there right in the middle of it. And he will work for his glory and for our good as we trust him alone every time. Is that comforting today? Has been for me. But that highlights a problem that we face. You've experienced it this past year. I've experienced it. Maybe you're experiencing it right now. And the problem is, we often don't trust him. Our problem is unbelief that God actually sees and God actually knows and that we can trust in him alone. We must trust in him alone. See, our minds quickly go to thinking that we see and we know the whole picture. We know how things should go and when they should go. We know what's best. We think we see and know what is needed and what isn't and have the right time and the right way to do that. Let's just be honest. We think we know what is the wisest thing to do and what isn't. Loved ones, we don't see the whole picture. We don't know the whole story. We must trust in God alone because here's the result of when we don't. Anger, we see it all around us. Fear, frustration, when things don't pan out the way we think they should or when. Grumbling, despair, as we put our trust in ourselves, in our ability to discern things and any other things that we put our faith in to give us the deliverance that only God can in his time and in his way, and it is the right time that he will act. And why are these things, these fruits, the inevitable result of putting our trust in other things? Why? Here's the truth. Because only God truly sees, and only God truly He is sovereign. He has all authority. His ways are higher than our ways. We must trust him alone. And here in our text, the Israelites, they've been in slavery to Egypt for 430 years at this point. 430 years. 
And here we find them crying out for a savior and calling out to God to deliver them from the hands of the Egyptians. And it is here, right here in Exodus 2, at one of Israel's darkest moments up to this point, that we see three crucial truths that we must believe and live out by faith in the power of God when we face the trials and struggles each day, no matter how long they're going on for. I cannot wait to dive in today. Let's open our Bibles, Exodus 2, 23 to 25. Let's stand to honor the authority of God's word and read this together. Exodus 2, starting at 23. Ready? God hears Israel's groaning. During those many days, the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel. Be encouraged with this. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. Hear the word of the Lord, loved ones. All God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. Well, we see here in verse 23, it says right here, during those many days, the king of Egypt died. What are the many days? Well, these are the 40 years that Moses had been living in Midian for. Now, recall, Moses was God's chosen man to lead Israel out of slavery. All right, And the reason why the king of Egypt dying, you see in verse 23, why that is so important to mention is that this was the king. This was the pharaoh of Egypt that wanted to kill Moses because of what he'd done. We can see this in Exodus 2.15. The pharaoh wants to kill him. Why? Because Moses killed an Egyptian uh, guard who was beating an Israelite slave. And so Moses kills him and then finds out that Pharaoh wants to kill him. So he flees Egypt, heads down to Midian. And this is where Moses has been the last 40 years. And notice verse 23 where it says, And the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery. And here it is, cried out for help. The term cried out there in the Hebrew means to weep aloud or howl. It wasn't... Hey, God, you see we're having trouble. Can't you just hook a brother up? I mean, aren't we like your chosen people? Can't you just come? Like, that would make it so much easier. No, no, no. It means to weep or howl. They were crying out to God in desperation. They were crying out to God in dependence to rescue and deliver them from slavery to the Egyptians. And I love, don't miss it, I love how at the end of the verse, verse 23, go back to the text, it says, notice, their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. What does that mean? It means it was lifted up to God. Now, if we're going to identify with this truth, we need to live in the text for a moment. Picture what's going on here. Can you hear the people of Israel saying, How long, O Lord? How long, O Lord? Day after day, weariness after weariness. How long, O Lord? 
Have you been saying this over the past 15 months? I have at times. How long, O Lord? And here's the Israelites are crying out like, can't you see what's happening, God? Have you forgot about us? Don't you know how hard this is to go through? Can you just hear them wailing? Don't you know how hard this is to go to day after day when it's just a struggle to get out of bed? When I'm so tempted to just stay negative and cynical and complain, don't you see how hard this is to go through? Why aren't you answering? We're calling out to you. Why don't you answer? You ever felt like that? What else do you want from us? Are you even listening? Is any prayer even making a difference? Can you even hear us? Just live in the text. I wonder how many of us here today watching this are asking the same things as we go through the trial and struggle that we're facing and and have faced over this last year here in COVID-19. It's been hard, hasn't it, loved ones? Let's be honest. Or maybe uh, it's in that situation in your marriage with your spouse and filled with unforgiveness and and fighting. You're just crying out like, Lord, won't you do something? Or maybe it's with that prodigal child and you've you've tried to bring your children up in the training and instruction of the Lord and you've seen them walk away and you're like, God, are you hearing this? Will you answer? Will you draw them to yourself? Do you even care? Maybe it's in your parenting now and Maybe you're just feeling defeated over the weariness of this past year and you're just like, oh, is anything, anything working? I I don't have any gas left in the tank. Lord, will you help? Maybe it's that physical or emotional hurt or pain or condition that you are going through. It just seems to be getting worse. You're like, God, where are you? I feel so distant. I feel so dry and weary. Like I'm in this desert. Can you even hear? Maybe you're feeling this way, saying these things with that addiction that you're battling. Or when the fear and the anxiety or or worry is constantly coming at you and you're like, Lord, will you not help me? see the crucial question that we see right here from verse 23 the crucial question we must ask ourselves in these times is this ready starts right here who or what are you crying out to in that place of trial or in that place of suffering who are you truly crying out to And we as Christians, if you're a Christian here and you're saved in Jesus Christ, you may never admit this. Of course, I'm crying out to God, but but, but you may never admit that with your lips. But what's your life saying you're calling out to for deliverance? You're crying out to. Because here's the truth we need to see right from this verse. If we are not crying out to God 
as COVID-19, as this season has shown us, if we are not crying out to God, then we can never, hear this loved ones, we can never be crying out to anything else that will bring us the deliverance, the peace, the security, the stability, and the hope we are after. Amen? If we are not crying out to God, we can never be crying out to anything else that could offer us that. The Israelites are finding that out right here. And here's the truth we need to remember from this. You'll see it on the screen. A misdirected cry. That means crying out to anyone or anything but God for deliverance leads only to us heaping unrealistic expectations of fulfillment upon people or things that only God himself can meet. That only God himself can meet. Hey, loved one, is your cry misdirected today? Where do you need to return to the Lord? I just want to encourage, I pray this message is such an encouragement for you loved ones as it has been to me to prepare it. Can I encourage you with this? Whatever place you find yourself in this morning, hear the word of God today. Whatever place you find yourself in this morning, God always hears when we call out to him. I'm going to say it again. The devil will try to keep you from believing that, but listen to God's truth today. God always hears when we call out to him. Check this truth to renew your mind with. Psalm 120 verse 1. In my distress, the psalmist says, I call to my abilities. I call to my things of this world that says to put your trust in. No, what does it say? In my distress, in my weariness, in my feelings of anxiety, in my feelings of fear. What does it say? I call to the Lord. I call to the Lord. That capital letters, L-O-R-D. What does that mean? That's the name Yahweh. The one who has, who has created all things. The one with unlimited power and all authority. I called to the Lord. And what did he do? And he answered me. Why? Because God hears. God sees. God knows. And God answers in his time and in his way for his glory and your and my good of those who love him. In my distress, I called to the Lord. Who are you calling to? Or check out this from Lamentations 3, 55 to 57. Jeremiah says, I call on your name. Talk about a prophet in distress, huh? 50 plus years of ministry, nobody listened to him. Here he is, been chucked in wells, been rejected by all of Israel. What does he say? I'm not calling out to this world for hope. I'm not calling out to this world for deliverance. Look what it says. I call, called on your name, O Lord. There it is again, Yahweh, from the depths of the pit. Anyone feeling like you're in the depths of the pit today? And when feeling that weariness and you're just, you're sitting under the, the darkness, it just feels like it's closing in on you. Hear the words of the weeping prophet himself, Jeremiah. I call on your name, O Lord, from the depths of the pit. You heard my plea. There is no place you or I could go where God will not hear us. Amen. You heard my plea. 
You came near when I called on you. Why? Because God longs to draw near to his people. You came near when I called on you and you said, ready? Do not fear. Do not fear. Do not fear. Hey, loved one, whatever you're facing today, whatever you're feeling today, do not fear. Call on the name of the Lord and he will hear. Right in the middle of your distress, Call on the name of the Lord. He loves you. He is good. He is faithful. He is Yahweh. He is over it all. He will hear you call on him right from the depths of the pit. What a God. What a Savior. Here's what we have to understand. Ready? Calling out to God in the trial is the first step to putting our faith in him as we go through it. First step. There it is. Say it again. Calling out to God in the trial is our first step to putting our faith in him as we go through it. And here, Israel's finally at the breaking point, calling out to God, and God hears. And I want to encourage you with this. We can trust that not only will God hear us, But he will, as we just saw in these verses, he will act on our behalf in his time and in his way. It may not be what we ask for or expect. I highly doubt the Israelites were thinking they'd be delivered the way they were. But it will be what is good. It will be what gives God glory. And it will be out of his love for us. And it will be what we need. Why? Because God will often withhold what we want. So he can give us what we truly need. And we would want, rest assured, rest assured. Yes, it's been a long season. So many questions we may not know the answers to on this side of eternity. But know this, we would want what God wants if we knew what he knows. That has been such a comfort to me as your pastor over these past 15 months. We would want to be right here where God wants us if we knew what he knows. If we knew what he's preparing us for, if we knew what was it, we would want what he wants. Loved ones, we must call out to him. Rest in him. When you're in the trial, you must believe God hears your cry. You must believe that's where everything starts. Call out to him, loved one. And with this, you must believe that God not only hears your cry, but God knows his promises stand firm on them. God knows his promises, stand firm on them. Look at verse 24, back to this beautiful text, 24. And God heard their groaning. There it is again. God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. See, when the Israelites finally turned at the point of desperation, at the point of dependence, they finally turned and cried out to God, he heard them and he remembered the covenant he'd made with them. Now, covenant, what does that mean? Well, covenant is a promise. It is a promise. And specifically, the promise we see right in the text here is the promise that God made with Abraham, Isaac, and with Jacob. These were the forefathers of the patriarchs of the nation of Israel. They are the ones to whom God birthed the nation of Israel through. See, Abraham was a man who feared the Lord, and he was chosen by God as the one 
to whom God would make this promise to and carry it out through. And Isaac and Jacob, they were Abraham's son and grandson, respectively, through whom the covenant, the promise, would be carried on through until eventually, I love this, until eventually Abraham's line led to the Savior, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Now, what was this covenant? What was this covenant? Why was it such a big deal that it gets mentioned here? Well, flip over in your Bibles. Flip over in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. You're going to see it on the screen, but let's read in our Bibles together. All right, so good to open God's Word. Here's the covenant, the call of Abram. Now, the Lord said to Abram, now don't forget, Abram was Abraham's original name before God changed it to mean father of many nations. That's what Abraham means, father of many nations. God gave him a new name after he made this covenant. Watch this. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Verse three, I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, look at this promise, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. You can also read this covenant in Genesis 15 and in Genesis 17 as we see it repeated. And, and what you see here are two parts to this covenant. The first part is this. That God, right from the text, God was going to give the people of Israel a land of their own, a nation of their own, the nation of Israel. There's the first part we see right from the text. Secondly, verse 3 in our text, through Abraham, notice this, both the people of Israel and ultimately all the people of the earth, hey, newsflash, that includes you, that includes me, right here from this, all the families of the earth would be what? Blessed. Blessed. See, this was a huge deal to the people of Israel. They had no doubt. They heard this Abrahamic covenant, this promise of God that he would make them a nation and that they would be a light to the nations and that through them, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. He would give them a land of their own and he would show his glory through them to the rest of the world. Oh, they heard this, all right. This had been passed down. This was the promise of promises. Now, just full stop for a second. Let's be honest. I don't know about you, loved one, but, but I like things to move a lot quicker than that, don't you? It's like God promised it. Hey, can we have it at takeout? Can we microwave it? We live in this culture where it's like now, 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 now. Gotta have it delivered now. Gotta get out of this situation now. Gotta get back to normal. Gotta do this. Gotta do this. Gotta do this. Listen, listen. God's time frame is often not our own. Do you think, friend, do you think that the people of Israel may have begun to doubt? Hear those voices of doubt? of God's faithfulness to keep this promise right here as they watch generation upon generation die off in front of them without the promise being fulfilled. Would you have begun to doubt that? He 
You think they stray into the thinking of that so often we do today. Well, yeah, God promised that. But look at the reality of our situation here. We're in slavery. I'm going to wake up tomorrow and I'm going to be making bricks from straw. I'm going to be under the brutal hands of our enemies. Nothing's changed. Look at the reality of our situation. The reality is telling us otherwise. The reality is not telling us that God will fulfill his promise. What we can see isn't showing us that the deliverance is coming, that the promise will be fulfilled. So we need to start to depend on and fend for ourselves because God doesn't appear to be working. In fact, God appears absent. We can't see how he's going to fulfill this promise. All we see is suffering. All we see is weariness. All we see is hardship. And ultimately, all we see is death going on around us with no deliverance in sight. Hey, loved one, are you doing that today? Let's just be honest before the Lord. My situation isn't showing me that God has heard and God will answer in his time and his way and I can't stand firm on his promise. To, God knows his promises, loved one. But are we, are we doing the same thing, the same mindset of unbelief are we carrying with us today? Are you doubting what God has promised to those who have put their faith and trust in him through Jesus Christ? Are you doubting his promise in that trial you're facing right now? In the weariness. It's been a long 16 months, hasn't it? How about in the hurt? Are you doubting his promises? Or are you standing firm on them in that decision that you have to face? You know, one thing for myself, it comes in regathering just as a church, like standing firm on the promise that Jesus will build his church no matter what, and the gates of hell will not prevail? Or are you standing firm on his word, on his promises by faith, even when you can't see? And when he answers doesn't look like you want it to or thought it would. Are we standing firm on his promises? And yet they couldn't see what's going on. But notice, God's raising up the man to lead them through. It's coming. Deliverance is coming. I want to encourage us with this today. God hasn't broken one promise in all of history. Does that comfort you? God Almighty, Yahweh himself, has not broken one promise in all of history. Even when it looked like things were going south, even when walking by faith and following looked like a train wreck, didn't look what you want, God has never broken one promise in all of history. And hey, Hope Bible Church Ottawa, he's not about to start now. Amen? He's not about to start now. Not even in COVID-19. It's not like, whoa, I didn't see that coming. I can't fulfill what I promised. No, no, no. Not even in the gathering restrictions. Not even in meeting online instead of in person. We'd all love to be there and just trusting God to open what he wants to open and shut what he wants to shut as we follow him faithfully in his lead. 
Not even one part of every single trial can stop him from fulfilling his promise. Loved one, stand firm. God knows and remembers his promises. Stand firm on them. Even now, you can trust him. Even if it doesn't look like you thought it would or you can't see how he's working. He is in our waiting. God is working. Amen? Amen. When you're in the trial, you must believe God hears your cry. Call out to him, church. Call out to him. And God knows his promises. He remembers his promises. Stand firm on them. And why can we stand firm? Here's why. Last point today. God knows your struggle. God knows your struggle. Embrace him in it. Embrace him. In it. Look at verse 25. I love this verse. Highlight it again and again and again. Mark it up in your Bible. God saw the people of Israel. There it is. God sees. He is not absent. And God knew. God knew. See, here's the truth we see right here. God saw every detail of every part of what every Israelite was going through every detail of every part for every person. He was not unaware of even one single thing. And that is still true today. God does not do social distancing. He is not unaware of every single thing, every thought, every action, that you are going through right now and engaging in. And I love there, <clears throat> the very last word of this text, it says, and God saw the people of Israel and God knew. You know what the Hebrew word there for new means? Like circle this and write this beside. It means yada. And it means to know intimately. To notice. To be attentive. say, yes, God, this is, this is so hard. I know. Yes, God, I want to get out of this. I know. Yes, God, I'm feeling so weary and so fearful right now. He says, I know. I actually know better than you do how it's impacting you. I actually know better than you do how to care for you. And I'm ready to do it because I love you. Will you call on me? Will you stand firm on my promises? And will you embrace me in that trial? See, this isn't just a fleeting when it says God knew. It's not just some fleeting. Yeah, I know about that person. I know about Ray Kaprowski's. Yeah, I know about Ray Kaprowski's struggle. Or I've seen or I've heard about that. It is God saying, I know deeply. I know intimately every single part of your struggle, of what is causing you pain, of why you're discouraged, and I know it even better than you do. Hey, loved one, God knows. He knows. He knows. 
love how Psalm 56, 8 illustrates this Psalm of David. You see it on the screen. David writes, you have kept count of my tossings. Does that encourage you? That all over this past year, all in the midst of this pandemic and the, and the impacts that it has had on each of us in different ways and similar ways, God has kept count of your tossings. Goes on to say, you've put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Every tear that has been shed, God has bottled up. He remembers it. He sees it. And he knows it. See, God knows. God sees. God hears. What a God that is attentive to the cries of his people. What a Savior that the very one who created all things knows us, knows the pain and the struggles that we are going through, have been going through. He has seen even Hope Bible Church, Ottawa, corporately as a church. He goes, I know. I know you want to get back together. I see it. I know it. Stand firm on my promises. I will build my church. Call out to me. Embrace me in it. And find hope in me today. Find hope in me today. See, God is attentive, friend. God is attentive to you today. But are you embracing him? Are we embracing him as a church? Let me encourage you with this. The covenant that God made with Abraham. Right from Genesis 12. This is where we look at the Old Testament, all of it pointing to Jesus. Here's another example. The covenant that God made with Abraham wasn't just for the people of Israel. Remember, it was for you and me. Verse 3 of Genesis 12. All families of the earth shall be blessed. See, God promised Abraham that through me would bless the nations to give them a hope, to give them a future. That's us. And this was fulfilled, this covenant fulfilled when he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to come to earth as fully God and fully man and live a perfect life, even while being tempted. Get this. Remember this today. Tempted with the same things you and I are. And Jesus experienced the grief, the suffering, the trials, the weariness, and ultimately death on a cross. To pay the penalty for our sin that we, in turn, may receive forgiveness, eternal life, and have an unshakable hope no matter what trials we face. And I will encourage you in this, Hope Ottawa, no matter where you're at, no matter where you're at individually, how about us as a church, Jesus sees and Jesus knows. He knows and he is the one we must embrace for apart from him, there is no hope and we cannot, will not stand firm because all of God's promises have their yes and amen in him and are fulfilled through him. Amen. And if you're here and you've never confessed Jesus as your personal savior, here's Here's the call of the Lord for you today, right from his word. Repent, turn from your sin and confess him as your Lord and Savior. Call out to him, embrace him, stand firm on his truth that only Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. 
Only through Jesus can you abound in hope. Only in Jesus can you find the comfort of God and have eternal life and the forgiveness of sin. Repent and confess him as Lord. Right where you are right now, you don't need to clean yourself up. You call out to the Lord and he will hear. He will answer you in your distress. Call out to him. And if you made that decision or you make that decision today, make sure you email Hope Pray so we as elders can come alongside and care for you and celebrate with you and help disciple you in your next steps of the faith. Call on him today when you hear his voice. Do not harden your heart. And the Bible says today will be the day of your salvation. Amen. And brothers and sisters, how do we embrace Jesus Christ in our trial today? Remember this, Hebrews 4, 15 to 16. We do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize. Amen. There it is right now. He said, I'm the only one who knows what's what. That's not true. That's not true, loved one. Take that thought captive. Bring it to the truth of God's word. We do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect, everything we have gone through, are going through, or will, every respect has been tempted as we are, and yet without sin. And what is our response to the work of Jesus Christ? Let us then with confidence today loved one call out to him stand firm in him embrace him with confidence and draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need that's awesome news that's a good news of the gospel hey loved one will you embrace him will you embrace him today are you going to keep running to these other things will you embrace him see Church, family, God has never promised us that on this side of eternity, as much as we would like it to be true, God has never promised us on this side of eternity that we will understand why he allows things to happen and why we go through things in our lives, even COVID-19. Why has God allowed us to go through this? What's the re- we, we, He's never promised that we will know on this side of eternity. One day we will, when we see him face to face, and we will say, thank you, God, for your wisdom. Thank you, God, for your love for us, for your goodness to us. But right now, we are not promised that we will know. But he does promise, not that, not, not that we will know, but he does promise that he knows. He knows what we are going through. He knows, he sees, and as we call out to him, as we stand firm on his promises, as we embrace him, as we go through the trial, listen, here's what he promises. We draw near to him, he will draw near to us. He will act on his behalf out of his great and steadfast love for you and I, in his time and in his way, for our good and for his glory in our lives. Loved one, God sees and God knows. Trust in him. Let's pray. Jesus Christ, I thank you that you are attentive to this moment right here, this message right here. You are attentive to your church. God, you have promised to never leave or forsake your people. Thank you that we can stand firm. 
Thank you that you are attentive to our cries. Thank you that you call us to embrace you. And thank you, Jesus, that you came to earth to give us hope and to give us the opportunity to embrace God Almighty and stand firm in the hope, abounding in the hope that we profess and have in him. And so, Jesus, as we move forward, I pray you continue to increase our faith in you. Continue to help us set our minds on things above and not on things of man. And when we are tempted to doubt or wonder or fear or grumble or act wickedly or sinfully, God, bring us back to the cross to know that you were tempted in every way and yet did not sin. And through you, we have the power of life and godliness. All we need to follow you in this season and no matter what else may come ahead. You see and you know. May we increasingly find our comfort and strength and hope and life in you. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Loved ones, will you stand and respond?